The Truth News Network. A president responds to a critic. I don't want to hear any more of these lies about reckless spending. We're changing people's lives. Yeah. Gas at an all-time high, shortages in everything from construction supplies, hygiene products, to food? Well, as we all said more than a president ago, you can keep the change. And in a crisis, the first casualty is usually the truth. So strap in. You're with TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. Hey there. How you doing today? You're just really close to a weekend, so be thankful for that. Thank you for joining us here today. Thank you for being here any day and every day for many of you at TNN Live. We do this for you. It's not because we enjoy hearing ourselves talk. It's not because we love digging deep and sometimes getting dirt on our hands as we find things that are not what we hoped they would be. We're doing it to get the truth out there. Look, we're facing an election, probably the most important election in American history. It could be. If it stays, it being our government, stays in the control of the leftist. Do you think the last 20 months is all that they are able to do to denigrate our country and drive us deep into recession, which is really close to being depression? And our leaders, they haven't even acknowledged that we are in a recession. By their own definitions, two consecutive months of GDP dropping, That's the definition of inflation. And we're way past two months. (laughs) In fact, the GDP came out this morning. Oh, I know you'll be excited. Last month, the gross domestic product grew by 2.6%. Now, they were only expecting it to be about 2.4%, so they're going to broadcast this from now through the weekend Gross domestic product is up. America's back. We're moving forward. It's because of the Biden administration and all its policies that the GDP is growing. We told you. We told you. And how dare you think about removing us from office and replacing us from some of those conservatives that liked the way it was during the Trump four years. Now, let me just say this. I know there are some Americans that actually got better in their lives during the first 20 months of the Biden administration. I understand that. Circumstances are different for a lot of people. It's very seldom you find two people that have the same exact life circumstances in their life at the same time. And I know that there are some people that maybe cashed in on a big investment. Maybe they inherited something big. But from top to bottom in our nation, and I'm talking about economics, the filthy rich to the bottom line, people that are just struggling to pay the rent and keep the utilities so we have heat and light. There are a lot of people in that category. From top to bottom, overall, our lives economically have been horribly influenced in only negative ways by the policies of this administration and Democrats in Congress. I was in a prayer meeting every, I I do it every morning at 6 a.m. Central Time. It's a 30-minute prayer meeting with uh, some friends 
And uh, it's at our church. It's televised live on Facebook. It's called 6 a.m. Prayer with Pastor Denny Duran. If you want to check it out on Facebook, feel free to do so. And we got to talking. Now, we pretty much stay away from politics on the most part. And if we ever bring it up, it's certainly not from a partisan perspective because there are a lot of people in every church that are on both sides of the political aisle. But we talked about truth this morning. And truth is a Christian thing. Truth is a gospel thing. I mean, the Bible, it just spelled it out. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It didn't say the truth shall give you a leg up in a political race. No, 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 no. It said the truth will set you free. That means, if you look at the verbiage and the phrasing, that means we're not free. We're in bondage to the opposite of truth. Now, that's a scary thought. We're the United States of America. For 260 years, we've been the place, we've been the diamond that everybody looks at shining. We look at uh, uh, the, the rest of the world, and the rest of the world has always been clamoring, man, I wish I could be in the United States. I wish I could be a citizen of the United States. And yet, we have a president, we have an administration, pretty much top to bottom, that are 180 degrees away from that thought process. They won't acknowledge it, but what have we always told you about the Democrats? When they point fingers at others that aren't like-minded, that aren't in the tank for the left, and they scream and holler and point fingers, look at what happened in the Russia collusion investigation. They screamed, they hollered, Donald Trump colluded with Russia and Vladimir Putin put him in office in 2016. They scream that from even before the election. He gets elected, and apparently he got elected by a majority of the American people. That's why he was elected. They never accepted the fact that it was a fair election. They never gave any details to back it up. But Donald Trump, he colluded with Vladimir Putin. Russia put him in office. They still, some of them, still maintain that. So what does that mean in Democrat Party leftist liberal speak? I've told you before, anytime they scream and holler pointing fingers at their political opponents about evil, about wrongdoing, about the purposes of those evil conservatives and those MAGA, mega MAGA people, when they do that, you can bet your bippy they're doing exactly what they're pointing at their political opposites and saying the political opposites are doing. So what do they say is going on right now? I heard last night, I heard a little clip from an MSNBC show, Joy Reid, the readout. She had two guests on, on, on her show at this particular time, and all three of them collectively. They called any conservative, anti-Semites, they're fascist, close to being Nazis. They even mentioned that. They never give any specifics that point to it. They talk about the mega, mega folks 
being anti-democracy. They never give any examples. What are they doing? It's not something that's fly by night. And all America needs to understand that. It's very, very coordinated across the news, cable news spectrum. In fact, even the big broadcast three, CBS, NBC, and ABC. When you watch these networks, you see a like-minded, basic perspective in the way they present the quote-unquote news. And in many cases, the verbiage in the reports that they give are exactly the same. It's impossible for that to happen unless it's coordinated. They have been doing it so long that, to be honest with you, the American people have just become numb to it. Don't realize it, or if they realize it, they don't care. The the thought process in Americans becomes, well, I guess if they're all saying it, it's got to be true. That's how we find ourselves in the whole. That's how we find ourselves with a government that more than anything else, your particular position and your concerns about the education of your kids, uh, your inability to go to the grocery store and get things that you want, and if and when you find them, they cost four times more than they did two years ago. You can't even order a car or go to a car, a new car dealership and get a car that you want. You can't order a car right now and get certain options. It's all because of Biden administration policies. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. And yet they keep pointing their fingers at Donald Trump. They keep pointing their fingers at conservatives screaming and hollering, blaming conservatives Donald Trump for all the problems we have today because we're fighting against democracy? First of all, folks, our government is not a pure democracy. It was never intended to be. We have Democrat ideology, but we have a representative republic. That means we choose those that will go to Washington, D.C. and represent us in our various congressional districts and in our states. That's a fact. And I don't know of a single conservative, I don't know of a single Republican that has espoused or is promoting any policy that is anti-democratic, not one. But there are a plethora of even Nazi totalitarian policies that are not only wanted by many Democrats, but through executive order, this president has put a bunch of them out there, and we're living through them. Let me give you one. I don't have the policy number in front of me, but a couple of weeks ago, very quietly, President Biden issued an executive order that ordered banks and gave banks, not because of our legislative process, he skipped that. He just said, like his former buddy, Barack Obama, always said, if I've got a pen, I don't need you to support me. I've got a cell phone and a pen. I can take care of being president. And I think Joe Biden has taken his, uh, his advice at heart. That's the way Joe Biden's doing it. In this executive order, If the federal government tells a bank, we need you to stop the activity on this account, 
it doesn't matter what the information is that is given by the government to the banks. The banks have no say-so. They just do it. We have documented the FBI DOJ storming of four conservatives. Four conservatives. The news media haven't covered it. And yet those people, they're stormed. Their homes are stormed into by... um, The Raiders, the FBI Raiders, that's exactly what they are. They call themselves a SWAT team. The FBI has another moniker for theirs, but nevertheless, they storm these homes, they grab these people, they handcuff them, take them outside, and in many cases, have cameras there to document it, and then they're taken away. One former ABC producer who's producing a documentary on what happened in Afghanistan Four months ago, four months ago, the FBI in the middle of the night stormed his house, took him away, and nobody knows where he is. He hasn't been seen since. Does that sound like the United States of America? No, it doesn't to me, and it certainly isn't. It certainly isn't. And it goes back way, way, way back. During the Obama administration, before that, the Clinton administration, We had some of it in the Bush 43 administration. Oh my gosh, you can't say that, Dan. Look, just because somebody has a a elephant or a donkey on their wall doesn't mean they are exempt from personal opinions that differ from the mainstream of their party. I'm not going to go into any of that. But just look back at our COVID pandemic. Look at what happened back then and what is being exposed almost daily, we're finding out vaccines don't work. We're finding out that masking up, social distancing, did not help at all. We're finding out the boosters that they're forcing on many people. Do you realize your kids, if your kids go to public school next year, They're going to have a COVID-19 vaccine or they're not going to school. Our government is just ratcheting down, ratcheting down, ratcheting down, consuming more and more power, taking away more and more rights of the American people without the legislative process. 100,000 people died last year from overdoses. Many of those overdoses came at the hands of fentanyl that came through our southern border with illegal immigrants that this administration refuses to enforce immigration laws, arrest them, and deport them, which is what the laws that they passed say is supposed to happen. With them comes this fentanyl that last year was part of that 100,000 Americans that died from overdose. Wait till you see what the numbers are this year. It will blow your mind. And I got to be honest with you. If it was you or me that was doing what Joe Biden or his Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas are doing, they'd put us in jail. But they're political. Joe Biden was elected by a huge majority of Americans. More people voted for him than ever have voted for any presidential candidate. Yeah, right. If you believe that actually happened, 
give me a call. I've got some swampland, really nice swampland that I'd like to sell you in Bell Chase. That's in Louisiana, by the way. Our government has turned against the American people. Now, regarding COVID-19, Mark Stein, he's not an American. He's a Canadian citizen, but he immigrated to the United States. He lives in, I think, New Hampshire. And you hear him every once in a while on one of the conservative outlets. But he got in trouble. He got in trouble for going on the air and telling the truth. And he put together a little report that is bringing out some of the things that he got in trouble for talking about. And you're hearing it and seeing it in mainstream media here in the United States regarding COVID-19 and vaccines and adverse reactions to the vaccinations themselves. You've heard doctors on this show. You heard from an embalmer down in Alabama that is embalming COVID-19 vaccinated people that pass away. And when they go to embalm and they can't because their veins and arteries are full of something that is almost like plastic and they can actually pull it out in strips. What is it? It's those people's blood that has, for some reason, he's never seen it before. There are embalmers all over the world that are reporting the same thing. It's a side effect and it doesn't happen to every person but it happens to a whole bunch of them, COVID-19. I want you to listen to Mark Stein. He's a very credible person, very brilliant. And he got in trouble and he gave a report without giving a report. When you listen, you'll understand. Nothing to see here. On Sunday, mountain biker Rab Wardell won the Scottish cross-country championship, the national championship. On Monday, the champ went on BBC Scotland to talk about his victory. Talk me through it then. How do you contend with three punctures in a race like this and go on to lift the gold medal? Unfortunately, I'm probably a little bit too too well practised in managing (laughs) punctures. But uh, no, it was a... Yeah, it was... was, uh, to be honest, it was a bit of a disaster. But no, I just, just have to, to, to keep on trucking and, and keep racing. And I guess still felt confident that I'd be able to, to catch the leaders and, and win. So, yeah, just give them my best shot. So a tremendous come-from-behind win on the Sunday. On the Monday, he's on the BBC talking about it, full of life there. Then he goes home and dies. Headline from the Daily Record, mountain biker Rab Wardell dies just two days after winning Scottish Championship. He went into cardiac arrest on Tuesday morning, less than 48 hours after winning a national championship. His poor, devastated girlfriend, Commonwealth Games and Olympics champion, Katie Archibald, uh, tried to revive him, but she was unable to, as she subsequently tweeted... I still don't understand what's happened. If this is real, why he'd be taken now so healthy and happy. Rab Wardell was 37, which is no age to die. Nothing to see here in cycling and nothing to see here in rugby from the Huddersfield Daily Examiner. 
Tributes to Halifax rugby player Ben Ben, who has died suddenly, aged 30. Ben Ben from Siddle died suddenly on Monday, leaving his family and friends completely shocked. The 30-year-old dad played competitive rugby for a host of local league and union teams, including Huddersfield Giants and Bradford Bulls. Nothing to see here in rugby, nothing to see here in cycling, nothing to see here in football. Uh, from the Daily Mirror, quote, tributes have poured in after the sudden death of West Belfast footballer Molly White. Uh, Molly White was 20 and a rising star in women's football. Uh, nothing to see here in boxing. Also from the Belfast Telegraph, a young boxer who passed away suddenly had an infectious smile and kind-hearted nature, his West Belfast club said. St Michael's Boxing Club led tributes to 19-year-old Dominic Oscar after his death last Thursday. Nothing to see here in cycling, rugby, football, boxing, 37 years old, 30 years old, 20 years old, 19. Fit, healthy, in the peak of condition, and dead. But nothing to see here. A few months ago, I thought there might be something to see here in all these sportsmen suddenly dying, and I'm being investigated by Ofcom over it, so I certainly wouldn't want to make that mistake again. Nevertheless, as we've reported, in the Canadian province of Alberta, the leading cause of death is not cancer or dementia, but cause unknown. Uh, death from unknown causes. This was uh, how it's, you see the way? It was just 500 in 2019. Two years later, it's three and a half thousand. Cause unknown is now spreading to other provinces, including my own native Sod, Ontario. On Saturday, Rhea Vernort from Hamilton was jet skiing on Lake Ontario with old friends she hadn't seen since the COVID came along. The friends turned away and then looked back and saw Ms. Van Oort's body floating in the lake. Also sudden death. She was 32 and a paramedic, which I mentioned because it means certain things can be inferred. She leaves a six-year-old daughter. OK, let's move from the case studies to the big picture. Here is a table from a new report. I expect you're wondering who it's by, some crazy far-right QAnon conspiracy theorist? No, it's the US Society of Actuaries. An actuary for the benefit of you Twitter trolls, is a person who calculates insurance risk. And if you don't do that accurately, you wind up paying out a lot more money than you ever intended to. So let's look at Table 5.7 from the Society of Actuaries showing excess deaths in America broken down by age. Focus on that uh, red bit. Uh, we'll come to that in a minute. At the left-hand side of the table from 2020, the spring and summer of COVID, it's not good. You can see excess deaths of 15 and 16 percent. Thank goodness all those vaccines came along. Eh? But then look at the third quarter of 2021. Twice as many dead 35 to 44-year-olds as there should be. Uh, and actually almost as lousy numbers for those in their late 20s and early 50s. So look at that, excess mortality for 25 to 54-year-olds, young and middle-aged Americans. Anything going on in the third quarter of 2021? Well, that was actually the peak of vaccine mandates in America, uh, where in a variety of occupations, from paramedics 
uh, to Manhattan waitresses in diners. You had to get jabbed to keep your job. And oddly enough, that coincides with massive excess mortality among people in the prime of life. But all together now, correlation is not causation. That's the dispositive line there. OK, we've seen a similar picture in the European Union. Here's the latest report from Eurostat. They're keeping it simple uh, here. The pale yellow is for countries with the lowest excess deaths. Uh, so that's like Hungary, where deaths are actually down, 0.3%. Uh, Slovakia, deaths are down 1.9%. Bulgaria... 7.9%. So Bulgaria's got a, the opposite problem from most places. It's got excess life. Uh, you'll scan the Bulgar papers in vain for sudden death from cause unknown. Whereas that dark maroon there, those are the worst countries with excess mortality over 15%. Estonia, 16.2%. Spain, 16.7%. Portugal, excess mortality of 23.9%. More dead bodies than usual. Tell you what, just for fun, boys and girls, let's also take a look at vaccination rates in Europe. Uh, this is the uh, rundown of countries. So look at that. The least vaccinated country in Europe is Bulgaria. And they also have the least excess mortality. Hmm. And the most vaccinated country in Europe is Malta, which isn't included in the excess mortality stats. So let's go to the second most vaccinated country in Europe, Portugal. And they have the highest excess mortality in you. So the lowest country with the lowest vaccination rate has the lowest excess mortality, and the country with the highest vaccination rate has the highest excess mortality. But altogether now, correlation is not causation. And therefore, there's nothing to see here. You know... You just heard some examples of what's happening. And remember, all of this began in Europe. In Europe. You heard Mark Stein and most of the reports he gave were about European countries and what happened in those countries regarding deaths, unexplainable deaths. Hmm. Nothing to see here, right? Yeah, there's something to see there, but... Nobody wants to talk about it. At least nobody in government wants to talk about it because it'll make them look bad. Now, let me let me just tell you this. We don't hear a lot about that. We don't hear a lot about the causation of all of the adverse reactions, not from COVID-19, but from the vaccinations that are there. And we talk about this. We used to talk about it every day. We talk about it maybe once a week now because it's, we're on the downside of it. People are not getting as sick. Not as many people are getting sick. And not as many people are dying. Believe me, if they were, we'd hear about it. They'd be cramming it down our throats. And remember last year and the year before, one thing was evident. COVID-19 kicked the butts of all the flu viruses. It killed them all. Because reports of flu and reports of death from flu just fell through the floor. There were hardly any people in the United States that were diagnosed with the flu and died. Why is that? You and I both know. It was the flu. A bunch of COVID-19 was flu. Oh my gosh, Dan, you're not a doctor. You can't say that. Give me another explanation. 
Did the flu just mysteriously go away for the first time in American history? You and I both know it didn't. So what made it go away? It didn't go away. It didn't go away. It was still here, but it was being misdiagnosed in many cases as COVID-19. That's okay. That's okay. But let me tell you something else you don't know about. When you look at the United States, every year our population grows. It grows significantly. Last year, more people in the United States died than were born. First time in recorded American history. That would be a pretty significant thing that I think every American would want to know because then they would ask the question, why? And the reason they don't report that and the mainstream media don't touch it is because we would ask the question, why? And we would start looking for the answer, right? Well, that's what we do here. That's what we've done here. We report about the adverse reactions that are published on the CDC website every Friday. We tell you about those and we tell you that The CDC itself says those numbers are actually only representative of about 10% of the actual cases. If that is true, what they tell us, and then the numbers they report are true, how many Americans have really died from COVID-19? And how many have died from adverse reactions to COVID-19 vaccinations. I'll give you those numbers right after this. A lighter bionic structure made from recycled materials. Neuromorphic computing five times more intelligent than current voice AI. And a battery that's the first to achieve 621 miles on a single charge. If electric cars are our future, and this is the future of electric cars. The Vision EQXX, Mercedes-Benz innovation in the here and now. Starbucks Via Instant is made with the same 100% Arabica beans served at Starbucks. So it's the only instant with the rich, delicious taste of the Starbucks coffees you love and takes only seconds to make. Starbucks Via Instant, the only instant coffee of its kind. Available in black flavored lattes and iced coffee. Look, we know that boy's going to ask again, so let's be ready. Fine, I'll be him. You ready? Ready. Mom, could you hook me up with a GoPhone? You'll run up the bill, son. Yo, that's whack, Moms. GoPhone is totally different. What? It'll only cost me an arm? Chillax. It has unlimited talk and text. Seriously? Word. Okay, we'll get a GoPhone. Really? Uh, Really? That is the bomb. Do you even know what the bomb means? Yes. No. GoPhone, only from AT&T. With unlimited talk to 65 million wireless AT&T customers and now unlimited text to anyone on any network. AT&T, your world delivered. Hi, Tom Bodette. 
Motel 6's new improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are, and we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodette for the new improved Motel6.com, and we'll leave the light on for you. Hey, just a reminder, this week we've had three guests on the show. We had Congressman Mike Johnson on uh, the first day of the week. We had Steve Baker on Tuesday. He reported to us live from the courthouse in Washington, D.C., where five of those evil oath keepers are being tried for their alleged crimes that they committed on the January 6th insurrection in D.C. And then yesterday... Dunstan Teo, who's one of the wealthiest men in the world, doesn't live in the United, or he's not a native, he just moved to the United States, but he is a cryptocurrency aficionado. He's been involved, heavily involved in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies and is a co-founder of a new cryptocurrency, Philcoin. If you don't know anything about it, you need to listen to yesterday's story because he gives us some information that has a lot to do, not just with Philcoin and not just with cryptocurrency, but a lot to do with things that are in the making in the United States of America regarding your money and your government. Hmm, what could that be? Listen to the interview. It happened in the second hour. So if you go to the show on any one of your podcast favorites, TNN Live is the title and you look at yesterday's show, go halfway through because it's the second hour. It's about a 35-minute interview, full, jam-packed full of information regarding cryptocurrency. I don't want to learn anything about cryptocurrency. Yeah, you need to because according to Dunstan Teo, all of us, if we want to protect the money that we have, we're looking at a case where we're going to stop putting it in our regular bank accounts. Why? Because according to Joe Biden, the government can go into your bank account and seize it at any time without any explanation. Okay, check it out. That's yesterday, Dunstan Teo. Today, going into the break, I told you about deaths, mysterious deaths. You just heard Mark Stein talk about it happening around the world. You're not supposed to talk about it because it's another conspiracy, Dan. Well, this one isn't. I'm looking at the Open Vares website. It's published every Friday and has been for decades by the Centers for Disease Control. And what it is, when people die around the nation, the coroners are supposed to fill out a report, a CDC report, and send it in every week. And they tell us that that happens only in the cases of between 10% and 60% of the deaths that die. So what does that mean? What it means is the numbers I'm about to give you of the biggest adverse reactions and including death 
are actually only representative of between 10% and 60% of the people. The real people that died, the reports didn't come in. So let the number one thing, the number one adverse reaction that's reported is problems with the heart, myocarditis or pericarditis. These are the reported such incidents that happened that were reported to the CDC through October 14th. That's the last day of the report. 53,302 cases of myocarditis or pericarditis. Now, when you factor in what the CDC numbers said, it could be as high as 533,000, hmm, or, let's see, that would be 50% more. This is crazy, but this is our government that's telling us that. Heart attacks from 16,947,000 to six times that. And here's the big one. Deaths. Now, these are incidents that happen as a result not of COVID-19, but as of vaccination. The numbers of deaths, 31,569 reported. So when you do the math, that could be obviously, according to the CDC, from 315,000 all the way up to, let's see, let me do 31,000. Times, could be 316,000 to 700,000 Americans that died. Those numbers have never happened regarding any vaccine that's ever been put on the market in the United States, nor any other event other than the Spanish flu all the way back in the early 1900s. So what does this really mean, Dan? What it means is we don't know. Purposely, we don't know. A lot of things about our government that they aren't telling us. And sadly, it looks like that's been the case for a long, long time, and they just get away with it. They don't have any answers, and they don't feel like they owe you and I any answers. But that's just the way it is. So what's going on in our government today? Well, it's all about money, right? It's all about money, and this debate after debate that we're hearing and watching now, most of it boils down to about, oh, I don't know, two or three things, big things. Economy and inflation is pretty much number one. Some places it's crime. Some places it's abortion, but it's way down the line. But nevertheless, money is the biggie. You remember what happened back in the Clinton administration, his second one, when the election was underway, the campaign series, and we were approaching an election, a midterm election, not, excuse me, a presidential election. And there was all kinds of um, figuring pontification by the news media about Bill Clinton being reelected. Why? He was right at that time. He was in the middle of being impeached. And he had this big-time romantic affair 
in the Oval Office with a person that worked in the president's office in his administration, Monica Lewinsky. And so there were all kinds of discussions about all of this on the news media, as you can imagine. And my buddy from South Louisiana came up and he made a statement that has stuck through elections ever since, talking about what is important to the American voter. And he tagged it as, quote, it's the economy, stupid. What he was saying is people make their decision on who they are going to vote for based upon their economic conditions at the time. So right now, abortion is the seventh most important issue for Hispanic voters specifically. And this is according to the Washington Free Beacon. Hispanics rank cost of living and inflation, jobs and economy, health care, crime, climate change, and immigration as more pressing issues than is abortion. Hmm. They surveyed 1,288 Hispanic voters nationwide. Now, why am I giving you Hispanic demographics? It's because the Hispanic population is growing very, very, very fast. It's about to become the number one minority in the nation. And many people think it already is. The poll's findings will likely concern Democrats who have centered their midterm election pitch on abortion in an attempt to win over Latinos in Nevada, for example. Embattled Democrat Senator Catherine Cortez Masto, she's running Spanish language ads on abortion, even as voters in the state overwhelmingly identify the economy as their top issue. Hispanic voters are expected to tip the scales in that race. Roughly 20% of Nevada midterm voters will be Latino come November, come two weeks now. Cortez Masto, she's long relied on Hispanic voters to drive her electoral success. In 2016, she won 61% of the Latino vote. Six years later, just 49% of Hispanic voters backed her. I wonder what it's going to be on November the 8th. I can promise you, Latinos in Nevada and around the nation, they're looking at what? It's the economy, stupid. It's the economy. Meanwhile, what's the president saying about his amazing accomplishments in the White House, other than the one that the White House is touting right now, 2.6 GDP last month. Hey, 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 we're on the road back to getting this all straightened out. After all, it was the Trump administration that caused our inflation. It was him and his policies. <laughs> our inflation rate was at a normal and really expected rate of about 2% under Donald Trump when he handed the keys to the White House to Joe Biden. Didn't take Joe to get it long up to 8 plus percent. They've repeatedly pushed that Joe's administration's policy have resulted in a historic deficit reduction. You hear the deficit word and phrase used a lot, especially during political campaign seasons. A deficit, what it is, 
The federal government has X number of dollars they're going to spend. Well, if they spend $100 and only have $70 that come in in tax revenue, they spent $30 more than they had. That $30 is the deficit. So we have a historic deficit reduction, according to Joe Biden. Took a victory lap yesterday. Economic data, though, shows the administration's claim that they have supervised and been over and seen in their administration historic deficit reduction. The data says that's false. It shows the reduction was not caused by any of his agenda. Rather, it was fueled by the cutback on the administration issuing COVID-19 money. The president has touted the deficit reduction claim in his speeches, calling it the largest one-year drop in American history and saying the deficit has come down both years that I've been in office. He also adopted a new messaging campaign just before the midterms, warning Republicans are going to crash the economy if they win in November and that Republicans in Congress have a very different vision than that of his deficit reduction. Well, they do have a very different vision than his, but his deficit reduction thing is just to stop spending federal dollars in this place and in this place. It's not about cutting back, really cutting back. The deficit did fall from $2.8 trillion in fiscal year 2021 down to $1.4 trillion in fiscal year 2022, but the entirety of that reduction is a result of shrinking or expiring COVID relief. Now, that's from the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. That's from somebody that has the real numbers. And Joe Biden didn't take and wasn't responsible for that reduced spending. I mean, come on now. There's never been a Democrat that saw a dollar laying around that they wouldn't spend. And you don't have to have it in sight as long as the bank's going to cover your overdraft if you're the federal government. By goodness, we're going to go do it because we need to help these American people. So what's the latest on our election? Well, we won't get into it all, but uh, down in Florida, Ron DeSantis is running for re-election. That race is beginning to look like a blowout. And the U.S. Senate race is barely any closer. That's according to new polling. Ron DeSantis, the incumbent government, has the support of 55 registered voters, 55%. Democrat challenger Charlie Crist at 41%. Approximately 4% of those that participated in this poll did not have a preference or they wouldn't give an answer, while less than 1% of those polled planned to vote for a third party. Given DeSantis's historic fundraising and popularity among Republicans, his lead in this race is not surprising. That's according to Dr. Michael Bender. He's a PORL faculty director. The surprise in these numbers is that a statewide race in Florida is closer to a blowout than a recount. Boy, that hadn't happened in a long time. Regarding the senatorial race, 54% indicated they're going to vote for Senator Marco Rubio. 43% of those favored 
Democrat candidate Representative Val Dimmings. About 3% of those who responded did not know or refused to give an answer. Now, Fox News, their power rating, rate the race between DeSantis and Christ as likely Republican in the Florida Senate race as leaning Republican. That's just one big race going on. How about out west? Arizona GOP's Carrie Lake blows the governor's race wide open. She leads Governor Hobbs by 11 points. This is a big upset. She's taken a commanding double-digit lead, has Carrie Lake, in the governor's race. GOP candidate Blake Masters is neck and neck with Senator Mark Kelly in the U.S. Senate race. The Insider Advantage poll that is sponsored by a TV station in Phoenix shows that 54% of likely voters are backing Carrie Lake, excuse me, yeah, Carrie Lake, a former news anchor for their station, while 45% are supporting Hobbs. About 2% are undecided. The Republican is reportedly polling better among older demographics and with Latinos. That's what we talked about in our opening story. That's in Arizona. Meanwhile, back at the White House, President Biden, he announced that he believes John Fetterman is impressive and incredibly bright. Now, how do you get those descriptive words from watching that debate the other night? Seriously, I'm very certain that John Fetterman's cognitive ability has been greatly diminished. Now, it's happened because of a stroke, a big stroke, and he's in recovery mode, and he's probably well on his way back, but he's nowhere near the 100% mark. But I'm sure President Biden, who has pretty much some cognitive disabilities himself, maybe he can analyze a fellow cognitive issue person better than we can. I don't know. The president has found Fetterman to be impressive, incredibly bright and talented, a person who's just as capable as always to carry out the duties of his office. Now that's Karine Jean-Pierre speaking there. That's the case before and the case today, she said. Fetterman shocked everybody. Everybody looked in at this debate between him and Dr. Oz, very first one and the only debate they're going to have. And I won't get into it. We've talked about it. Fetterman, I don't care how anybody phrases it or couches it or pontificates about it. He's not in a position where he can serve as a U.S. senator. He just can't. There's too much that goes to it that he can't successfully do. He may be getting better. I think he is, they say. And he may be on his way to be totally whole. Maybe he needs to think about running in the next Senate election in Pennsylvania. But right now, especially with everything we have going on around the world and here, we need somebody that is 100%, not somebody that's kind of there. Now, something strange is happening in Washington, D.C., the Washington Post, the Washington Post now, I'm talking about the most liberal rag 
in uh, Washington, D.C. or New York. They have endorsed a Republican over a Democrat. Hmm, why would they do that? Well, they say for his responsible style of governing that would ensure investment returns for Maryland residents. Hartford County Executive Barry Glassman was endorsed over Democrat Del Brooks Learman because he is a traditional Republican who is against the GOP's MAGA wing and would hold the position with a restrained approach compared to the Democrat Learman, who they feel will leverage the tax fund to reward companies who align with her priorities. Glassman's restrained approach would align with the state's law and constitution. Furthermore, he presents the only realistic chance for any Republican to win a statewide office in this election cycle. You can mark this down. This is a shocker. The Washington Post has endorsed a Republican. My, oh my. So what about your vice president? Well, she's mine too. Sometimes we wish she wasn't. But what is she up to? Kamala Harris certainly isn't doing what she was told to do and what we were told she was going to do, which was to tackle our illegal immigration problem by going to Central America and handling it with leaders down there getting to the root of the problem. Great job she's done. Illegal immigration has gone through the roof. We don't know how many illegals are in our country today. We don't know how many came in to the country since January 1. We estimate, based upon those that have come in and we know they're here, 2.7 million. Now, experts tell us that the gotaways typically would be exactly or close to equal to the ones we knew. So if that's the case, we're looking at 5 million plus. Our vice president has tackled it. Listen to what she said. Well, first of all, I'm a child of parents who marched for civil rights in the 60s. And I have always been and always will be a supporter of peaceful protests, she began. Many peaceful protests over the history of our country have led to an expansion of rights and an expansion of civil rights. So that's where I stand on a peaceful protest. Now, this is a conversation about her actions. You remember in the George Floyd riots after George Floyd died? You remember what she did? These people that were protesting that were burning and destroying parts of Minneapolis, I mean a big part of Minneapolis, businesses were destroyed, totally destroyed. People lost their livelihoods over these riots and the looting and stuff that happened. Those that were guilty and being tried for their guilt and complicity in those riots and destruction, they were being arrested and were about to be prosecuted. The vice president, not when she was VP, but when she was the attorney general of California, but had announced her candidacy for the presidency, not the vice presidency. They started a fund, a fund, that what it did was collected money to help those that are arrested 
bail out of jail awaiting trial. And it was public information that she supported it. In this get-together she had with WCCO4 News, here's what she said. She had nothing to do with that. She didn't get involved with that organization. And she called any reports of it her supporting MFF, which is the name of the group that opened the account, is misinformation and disinformation. She said, I think that unfortunately what we're seeing is people are playing political games right now. We're just days away from midterms and we have sadly not seen a lack of misinformation and disinformation. And I think this is another one of those examples. However, a tweet asking for donations on behalf of that organization, it's still on her Twitter Twitter page. When MMF rose to prominence during the Black Lives Matter riots of 2020, it was revealed that the funds were going to more than just peaceful protesters, including one alleged child rapist and a man who was suspected of brutally attacking his own mother. The bail fund aided Timothy Wayne Columbus, age 36, who faces up to 30 years in prison for allegedly sexually assaulting an eight-year-old girl in 2015. According to the state prosecutor's statement, the victim stated Tim laid her on the couch and held her down as he unbuckled his pants, pulled down her pants. Victim stated then he raped her. Columbus was released in July on $75,000 bail, according to jail records, and the money came from this account. The day following his relief, Columbus signed a document requesting the court to return any refunded bail money to MFF, and that verified that this account that Kamala Harris was promoting and donated to herself That's just one person that was bailed out from that money. Richard Raynell Kelly is another. Age 53, he's facing two decades in jail on charges of burglary and first-degree assault after he allegedly broke into the home of his 71-year-old mother in violation of an active order of protection in April. After the woman confronted Kelly about trespassing in her home, he allegedly grabbed her by the shoulders, yanked her down from the stairs, and began punching and kicking her in the ribs back and right eye. This is from court records. He then allegedly taped his mom's ankles and wrist, proceeded to run up and down the stairs multiple times, stepping on her each time he passed her. Then he threatened to kill her, then sat down and ate food on the couch where he could keep an eye on her, who was still laying duct tape at the bottom of the stairs. He Listen to this. He ended up falling to sleep. He finally left the house when he woke up to find the bruised and bloody woman in the process of cutting herself free with a blender blade. She sustained a swollen eye as well as bruises on her chest, shoulders, back, and legs, which noted that police found a pool of blood at the base of the stairs where she was allegedly assaulted. He was arrested then released from jail on $4,000 bail. Kelly signed a similar refund request document the same day again that the bail money came from MFF. By the way, a week later, he violated his house arrest. The sheriff's office 
said there was still an active felony warrant for his arrest. Both suspects were bailed out using MFF money within two months of VP Harris asking for donations to the fund. But she said yesterday, I didn't do that. That is disinformation or misinformation, whichever one you want to say. You know what the, the, the worst part of this is? She's the vice president of the United States. She knows everything she says in public will be on video for her lifetime and even after. And she doesn't care. Democrats don't care. They lie with impunity. They disguise and cover up with impunity, knowing that anything they say, and they are alleged to be saying it, and then they deny it, they're caught in a lie. She is a heartbeat away from being president. And she still lies about that. How do you feel as an American? How do other Americans feel about that? Well, I don't think anybody is okay with lying. But it's impacting people around the world, people that are looking in and watching our political process, especially our president and vice president, because we are the number one nation in the world, the most powerful nation in the world. It's critical to our partners in democracy that everything at the top of our government goes smoothly. It impacts people all the way down in Australia. Now, something to cheer us up. Well, perhaps amuse us rather than cheer us up. Listen to the Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris. She of the awkward laugh and bumbling diplomacy. Have a look at her at an event to promote electrifying school buses. So here's the thing. Who doesn't love a yellow school bus? Right? Can you raise your hand if you love a yellow school bus, right? Just, there's something about the, and, and most of us, many of us went to school on the yellow school bus, right? And it's part of, it's part of our, our experience growing up. It's part of, a, you know, a nostalgia and a memory of, of the excitement and joy of going to school to be with your favorite teacher, to be with your best friends, and to learn. The school bus takes us there. Yep, the school bus takes you to school. (laughs) The yellow school bus takes you to school. Remember, Harris, as they say, is one heartbeat away from the leadership of the free world, one set of airport stairs or bad bicycle dismount from the White House. I hope they're taking good care of President Joe Biden. That, you heard, is the President of the United States is picked to be his running mate. And she's a heartbeat away from being the President of the United States. Think about it. All of this. You know, once I was 20 years old, now I'm 69. That's all because of the passage of time. And I went to a restaurant and I ate a great steak dinner about 60 days ago that I'll never forget. And today, I can't afford that same steak dinner. And it's all because of the passage of time. One heartbeat away from being president, Kamala Harris, but yet they want to talk about big yellow buses. 
Now, something that you they don't want to talk about the present. problems and stuff that you and I face. They can't. They don't have answers. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. Duncan is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Duncan with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Duncan. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Duncan. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. I'm Papa John, pizza maker. The quality of every ingredient is important to me. Like the sweet, juicy pineapple and pulled ham hock that refreshes a pizza classic. Introducing our new premium Hawaiian, another Papa John's original. Like all our pizzas, it comes with Papa's quality guarantee. Try something new with a third off your order. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. Separating fact from fiction. Arming you with the ammunition of liberty. The truth on TNN. Truthnewsnet.org. Okay. What nation is the number one international threat to the United States? For my entire lifetime, until just a few years ago, there was just one such nation, and you know who it was. It was Russia. Before it was called Russia, it was called the Soviet Union. Total communist, totalitarian, brutal government. Vladimir Putin, the current president of Russia, was a heavyweight during the Soviet Union in the KGB, the equivalent of our FBI. And they were more like um, the Gestapo during the World War II between Germany and the United States. The Gestapo was Hitler's hit organization. KGB was almost a spitting image of Hitler's Gestapo. Today, there is no KGB, but there's Vladimir Putin as president, and he enjoys hating Anything to do with any liberty, any freedom, anybody that has any country that has individualism or the rights of the people or absolute to the people, he's dead set against. But China has stepped up to the table 
And they've pretty much taken over the old Soviet Union slash Russia threat to the United States being the number one on earth, China. Now, they're not doing what most invasions throughout world history have happened where one country, a military, invades another country and it's very public and everybody sees it and knows it's going on. China doesn't do that. What they do is they invade from getting involved with those that are in leadership in the infrastructure of a nation they want to go after. I'm talking about government specifically, those who make decisions that affect those countries. And it doesn't have to be at the national level. In fact, it very seldom is. New York Mayor Eric Adams. Now, when he was running for mayor, he came from the New York Police Department And he was very well thought of. But when he got elected, all the promises he made about going after and straightening out this and addressing crime, homelessness, and all those kinds of things, he just put them down and started being a typical politician. We found out overnight that the president of the America Changle Association, who runs a secret Chinese Communist Party-linked police station, financially supported Mayor Eric Adams' election efforts and also works directly with known Chinese government influence operations. America Changle's leaders include one individual identified by the Chinese government as both a propagandist and a special liaison officer, as well as individuals who take direct orders from a CCP propaganda and intelligence agency known as the United Front Work Department. Under no circumstances would China tolerate any foreign law enforcement entity to operate inside China but outside normal channels, and neither should we do so here. That's according to Steve Yates, who's the chairman of the China Policy Initiative. So a fundraiser and a donor to Mayor Eric Adams' election campaign heads a nonprofit that houses this Chinese overseas police station and works closely with the Communist Party in China. Fang Fang, you remember Fang Fang? Got in bed figuratively and literally with our buddy out in California, a member of that U.S. House of representatives. And for years, he put her at the top of pretty much everything in his um, in his legislative office in D.C., also his one in California. And then, of course, they were sleeping together, we found out later. She was in the middle of all kinds of things that were going on in his life, the various committees that he served on in the United States House of Representatives. China is invading the United States without invading the United States. They're doing it surreptitiously by invading on the local level, in the case of Eric Adams, mayor of New York, his administration, and on a national level, in the case of Fang Fang getting involved and part of the operations of a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. Those things are happening. 
Meanwhile, while that's happening, some information popped out during the Danchenko trial about the Russia collusion and who was involved with it. An FBI email that was previously not known to the public has revealed that the FBI planned to make Igor Danchenko the primary source of British former spy Christopher Steele's Trump dossier. They were going to name him formally a confidential human source before they ever even interviewed him. They looked at him and said, hey, 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 here's a link that we can use and it would sound credible when we go after Donald Trump. This revelation, this email was discovered as a result of special counsel Durham's case against Danchenko And it indicates the FBI on purpose targeted presidential candidate, later President Donald Trump, with claims it already knew at the time were not true. We suspected that, but you couldn't say anything about it because we didn't have any evidence until now. So this revelation of this email, which was discovered as a result of that Durham case against Danchenko, it indicates that the FBI did it all on purpose. That email, of which only the subject line has been made public, was first uncovered by an internet sleuth who goes by the moniker Walkify and was included in hundreds of unused exhibits from Danchenko's trial. The FBI used him, Danchenko, who was acquitted last week on all charges of lying to the FBI, by the way, in its investigation of Trump, despite knowing that Danchenko had helped fabricate the dossier. This is just nuts. We have always suspected it was happening, and we found out it was confirmed. The FBI was in the tank. They were conducting illegal activities to try to get rid of Donald Trump before he became president and then after he became president. And we all suspected it. We're talking about the Department of Justice, the FBI. How much more crud, how much more dirt is there on people in the FBI and things that they have done or things that they have allegedly done or want to do and it's all against American citizens? That's the part that scares us and it should scare us more than anything else. It's incredible that they, with impunity, would feel that they could just do these things and pay no consequences. Then they're, they're not going to be held accountable for any of this. Why? Because according to the power that exists in the political world, on the seventh floor of the J. Edgar Hoover building where the FBI lives, Anybody that does anything that goes counter to what they're supposed to do and counter to the laws, they forget about those at the Department of Justice. If they want to do something, they just go do it. Pretty much like the Biden administration. If they want to do something, they just go do it. If they want to enforce laws, they'll enforce laws. If they don't want to enforce them, they won't enforce them. Forget about what the law says about it. How do you stop? an agency in the federal government from doing stuff like this. How do you do it? Well, the only way you can stop it, you got two options. 
If you're the boss in charge, that would be the President of the United States. You can fire those people. You can fire those people that work that are not in management, not on the seventh floor, but in floors lower than that, or in locations where they're assigned around the world various offices. Fire them. If you're the Attorney General, you can fire them. Now, when it comes to the Attorney General, the only person that can fire him is who appointed him. Who would that be? In this case, Donald Trump. And then Merrick Garland when he took over. What about FBI Director? Donald Trump appointed Christopher Wray. He was confirmed and allowed to stay by Joe Biden. Both of those positions and the people that currently hold them, they're being used against the American people instead of doing things to protect the American people and make sure no foreign actors get here and mess with us. In fact, they're not doing their jobs, period. Merrick Garland, the attorney general, he needs to go. Christopher Wray, FBI director, he needs to go. Why? Because neither of them are doing the job that being the attorney general or the FBI director call for. Border Patrol agents in El Paso have apprehended more than 38,500 illegal immigrants in 21 days, October 1st through October 22nd, averaging 13,000 a week. Now this is coming from Border Patrol. In January, agents in El Paso, they arrested an average of 4,500 a week. Now it's up to 13,000. As with the entire southern border, illegal crossings in El Paso have trended up all year long. The region has become the new hotspot after the Del Rio, Texas area for most apprehensions per month. If you think the lawlessness at the border and the millions illegally crashing it, has been bad during Biden's term so far, wait until the numbers keep rolling in for this fiscal year. Already shattering records again. That comes from the National Border Patrol Council on their Twitter page. We said months ago he was just getting started, and he was. The city of El Paso is receiving millions of dollars from FEMA to feed, house, and transport these illegals once they're released to uh, released from Border Patrol. Since May, when El Paso issued an emergency ordinance, it has set up a mammoth operation in conjunction with local non-government organizations, NGOs, and they're providing thousands of these illegals meals, hotel rooms, help with bus or plane tickets to their chosen destination. They're doing that. The government's doing that in spite of what the law says. The law says anybody that crosses our border illegally, they must be accosted and quickly deported back to the country from which they came. That's federal immigration law. And by the way, that particular law, I looked it up, is one that was part of the Senate approval when Joe Biden was in the Senate. He's ignoring it. Venezuelan nationals have made up the bulk of this sudden increase in illegal crossings into El Paso since August, 
It's up 70%. In September, more than 20,000 Venezuelan nationals turned up in El Paso. During the months of July and August, border agents apprehended 611 and 3,500 Venezuelans respectively. Why? Why are Venezuelans coming here? There's a plethora of reasons we can't even get into it, but it but it's for probably, in many cases, for good causes. But the way they're doing it makes it illegitimate for them to do it and also illegal. On October 12th, the Biden administration began returning Venezuelans to Mexico and promised that 24,000 will be approved to fly directly into the United States. Now, why is that? Why is that? 24,000 are going to be approved to fly directly into the United States. Still, the overall illegal border crossing numbers continue to go up every day. El Paso officials said that most of the time, illegals have family members already here which means those family members can help pay for transportation and the cost of getting here. But recently, up to 50% of the aliens that the city is assisting have no ties to the U.S., making it more burdensome to provide support. And of course, when they get to that point, the Democrat governor, excuse me, mayor of El Paso, he's a Democrat, he calls Joe Biden's office, Alejandro Mayorkas, Secretary of Homeland Security, and says, hey, Mr. Secretary, we got 13000 a day coming in here. What do we do with them? We don't have the money. And Alejandro Mayorkas, he says, don't you worry about it. We'll wire transfer you a few million dollars more today. Think about that. El Paso City Council members, some of them, were pushing to declare a local disaster during a meeting at the end of September. Costs were going through the roof. Some of it was being paid by the feds, but a bunch of it wasn't. Costs have risen from $55,000 a day to $250,000 a day for the city. That's from the city manager, Tommy Gonzalez. But the mayor, Mayor Oscar Leeser, said this. The White House has asked at this point, not to declare what they're experiencing a disaster. Now, why would they do that? They don't want that out in the run-up to the midterm elections. I got to be honest with you. In truth, the Biden administration has nothing. They have done nothing, absolutely nothing, that should attract Americans to vote for them. Absolutely nothing. And they're only worried about what's being put out in the marketplace by the news media. And they certainly don't want it out there that El Paso can't take care of the illegals that come there without amazing amounts of money that comes from American taxpayers. And the American people who pay that money have no say-so in any of it. It's unconscionable. Juice drinks, sodas, and sports drinks are loaded with added sugars and calories and have little or no nutritional value. Sugary drinks can destroy teeth, cause obesity, and lead to type 2 diabetes. 
Sugar bites. Protect your kids. I pass through the trees. I leave behind the mountains. I weave in the air. I fly over the birds. And I wish when I complete my journey, I leave behind a better world. Honda Civic Hybrid, India's first hybrid car with IV Tech engine. Leave behind a better world. What can milk do? Well, it can turn you into a morning person. It can help fuel some pretty tough stuff. And it can definitely make cartoons funnier. No, it can't. Oh, well, it can have a little edge. But come on, even kitties love it. It'll keep up with you at any age. It makes engines whirr. And creme brulee, cremey. It's one of the easiest labels you'll ever read. And anything that makes this happen is pretty special. In fact, what can't milk do? So it's this beautiful summer day, and while most guys would say, let's go to the beach, Donnie says, Hey, let's go to Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. They're having a warehouse sale. I say, are you serious? He says, Your place needs furniture, and at this sale, you can get beautiful stuff and save 50, 60, even 80%. So we go to the Pilgrim Warehouse sale. I buy a sofa, a love seat, and this really cute dinette set. But the big thing is, we pick it out together, Donnie and me. Maybe this relationship is going somewhere. The Warehouse Sale at Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. Kind of unusual. You know who's weighed in talking about the actual purpose and reasons for the swarming of the southern border by illegal aliens that are coming through Central America? Guatemalan President Alejandro Giamatti. He said that the Biden administration's announcement of its decision to end Title 42, it hasn't come to pass. It's still in place. Just the announcement of that unleashed a wave of immigrants bound for the U.S. Guatemala, over the last few weeks and a couple of months, has seen large waves of illegal migrants because of Biden's policies here in the U.S., including its announcement to scrap Title 42, and that's the public health order used to expel certain migrants to mitigate the spread of COVID. Giobatis, he was speaking to the, uh, who was it, the Daily Callers News Foundation. The CDC announced on April 1st that Title 42 would end on May 23, but the move was blocked in a lawsuit led by Republican states, and it's still, that ban is in place. But Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas, they don't care. They just let them keep coming. Guatemala has seen large waves of illegals coming through their country. I don't know why, other than they want to get here and Joe Biden's welcoming them in. The Biden administration also instituted a new rule to send illegal migrants from Venezuela while granting legal entry to 24,000 other Venezuelans that meet certain qualifications. Giamatti said that the program is also leading to problems in his country 
as Venezuelans continue to pass through with a new uncertain fate. And now he said that the Venezuelans, we understand, that have possibly obtained a visa, that means another problem for Guatemala. We have no relationship with Venezuela. We don't have diplomatic exchanges. We don't have an embassy here or there. Therefore, we can't issue passports or any kind of identification for Venezuelan nationals here in Guatemala. That means a huge amount of a floating population that is going to become a serious problem for this country while we remain stopping them here. So another country, not us, we've heard about what this has done to Mexico. But another country, a leader of another country has said, stop it, stop it. We can't handle these Venezuelans and they're coming through our country because of what you're telling them. And of course, what you're not telling them. And then when they get to the southern border, what's Mayorkas's crew doing down there? They're just waving them on in. Y'all come on down. We could do every show, every story and every show about our immigration issues. And we, we just talked about, I think, three of them. And I'm going to change subjects here. It has Joe Biden in it again. You remember the railroad union strike that was pending a few weeks ago that was going to shut down the nation? Not a single American news media has reported what I'm about to tell you. I looked during the last break. Two railroad unions have now, overnight, rejected that labor deal with the major railroads, and that means the likelihood of a strike is imminent, and it could cause, listen to this, $2 billion a day in damage to our economy. The Brotherhood of Railroads Signalmen said nearly 61% of the workers who voted oppose that five-year contract, even though it included 24% raises and $5,000 bonuses. They're the second rail union to reject that deal this month after over half of track maintenance workers represented by the Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way Employee Division who voted opposed the contract. BMWED set a deadline of November 19th to get a deal done before a strike would take place. Union President Michael Baldwin, he endorsed Labor Secretary Mary, uh, excuse me, Marty Walsh, who helped broker the deal. Baldwin cited the lack of good faith bargaining by the railroads, said the recommendations of a board of arbitrators that President Biden appointed this summer denied workers the basic right of paid time off for illness. The unions say the railroads, and that includes a couple that reported more than a billion dollar profit in the third quarter, can easily afford to offer paid sick time. The negotiations included CXS, Union Pacific, Norfolk Southern, BNSF, and Kansas City Southern Railroads. The railroads maintain that the unions have agreed during decades of negotiation to forego paid sick leave in favor of higher wages and more generous short-term disability benefits that kick in after four days of absences and continue for up to a year. 
They have rejected all demands for paid sick time, although if they did offer the unions that, represent engineers and conductors three days of unpaid leave to tend to medical appointments as long as workers give 30-day notice. The railroads have refused to offer workers much more than what the Presidential Emergency Board of Arbitrators recommended. They say the board rejected unions' request for paid sick time in favor of recommending the largest wage increases in more than four decades. Now, what does this all boil down to? I can tell you what it is. These unions, now I'm going to pontificate for a second about labor unions. Back in the early 1900s, when American corporations and business was just taking off, really getting going, the Industrial Revolution had happened and everything had changed in our economy and the way it was structured and how we were doing all the things that we were doing economically to benefit all those here in the U.S. Also, by the way, that made us number one in the economic operations of a nation on the planet. When all that began, unions were critical for the workers in all these plants and these companies and operations like the railroad where there was a lot of physical activity going. Workers were required in some cases to work 16 hours a day. They had no benefits. They had no paid leave, no health care, nothing. They just went to work. They worked so many hours a week and got paid so many dollars per hour. They had no say-so in anything to do in those companies. And if they disagreed with anything the companies were doing, they were probably going to get fired. Unions were critical at that time. I mean, that was a time where there needed to be somebody, an intermediary that can intervene for the workers of America. And those were the unions. And they got a lot of good things done, and they created the ability to fix the workplaces and all of the quote-unquote infrastructure of the operations of these railroads from top to bottom. But after all of that was instituted, and it took decades to get it where it was functioning every day properly, they got into politics, the unions, and they just began to give massive donations to the political candidates that they felt like would make once they were elected and got into the U.S. Senate or the U.S. Congress, the House of Representatives, they would lean towards the policies that these unions wanted to have. They could get the government, those elected politicians, to lean their way. And that happened through the years. But now... Unions very, very seldom get involved in anything specifically for the good of their union members. They look at the union members as the source of their revenue that they can use, by the way, to have great personal incomes for those in leadership in the unions, but hundreds of millions of dollars across the nation to donate to political candidates. Today, listen to what I'm about to say. Almost with no exception, unions are obsolete and are totally worthless to the American workers that they supposedly represent. I know these factually. How do I know these? I'll tell you this. 
my next door neighbor for decades was the director of one union. And I'm not going to use a name or talk about the union, but the inside scoop is what I just told you. Now, what does that mean? Well, I can tell you what it means. The end result is we're facing a blackmail, a blackmail from a union-inscribed possible walkout that will cost us if it, if it happens. And it looks like November 16th is the deadline. If it happens, they're telling us it could cost us $2 billion a day. Think about that. Now, what does it mean? We won't be getting stuff. I mean, if if the railroad goes on strike, you don't see anything moving. Well, what about them coming over on the ships and all that? Yeah, they could come over on ships, but they either, there are only two ways to get them, the goods that come off those ships. There's only two ways to get them here to Shreveport, Louisiana, or wherever you live. One is by trucks, and the other is by train. And a huge majority come by train. If trains don't move, things don't come. And it's it's a it's a Ponzi scheme, but it's not a scheme. It's a Ponzi because everybody in the chain, from those that work for the transporters, the trucks, or the people on the trains and the railroad that work there, they're impacted. Their companies that own the trains and the ships are impacted. When they're transported, they end up being transferred to wherever they're supposed to go on a local basis. The people that move those from the rail yards to, let's say, Best Buy, Dillard's, grocery stores, all of those people are impacted. So everybody in the nation pays the price, and these unions know that. And so they found a way to gig the American consumer to get more money. And it's not, sadly, it's not more money for their union members. Yes, in this particular case, they're going to get a a big raise. But it's principally so that those unions can pay out millions of dollars in political campaign races. That's driving the boat. So what else is going on as we head into the back part of the week, Dan? Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' new election crimes unit, guess what they have recommended? That state police open a full criminal investigation into a Democrat whistleblower's detailed complaint of a long-time, long-running, widespread ballot harvesting operation in the African-American communities in politically important Central Florida. What's in Central Florida? The big one is Orlando. So who's this whistleblower? Former Orange County Commissioner candidate Cynthia Harris. She filed a sworn affidavit in late August alleging that illegal operations to collect third-party ballots has been going on for years in the Orlando area where voting activists are paid $10 for every ballot they collect. She described a system funded by liberal-leaning organizations that 
dispatch ballot brokers into black communities to pressure those black voters to turn over their ballots. The $10 fee per ballot is divvied up among the parties who help complete this harvesting. The collection and delivery of those ballots by third parties, that's illegal in Florida. So the newly created Office of Election Crimes and Security did a preliminary inquiry on Harris's allegations and concluded there is sufficient evidence to warrant a full criminal probe by the state police. The Florida Department of State Office of Election Crimes and Security, the OECS, was made aware of this issue in September. After further inquiry, the department received additional information related to the allegation in October and performed a preliminary investigation. Since this entity is an investigative entity and does not have authority to make arrests, the office forwarded the complaint to the Department of Law Enforcement in Florida for possible violations of Section 104 of Florida statutes. So this development in Florida adds an explosive new allegation to concerns nationwide that ballot trafficking is widespread in some battleground states, a claim made famous by the research of the conservative watchdog group True the Vote and that documentary we've told you about here and talked about it over and over again, 2,000 Mules. Arizona prosecutors have achieved a bunch of convictions in that state for ballot harvesting. Most recently, they got a guilty plea of a former Democrat mayor in Yuma County. True the Vote filed a complaint in Georgia that alleges thousands of ballots were harvested in 2020, but those allegations have not yet been corroborated to authorities for them to negotiate with the nonprofit group for evidence. A Wisconsin investigated unmarked a sophisticated ballot harvesting effort that targeted vulnerable nursing home patients in communities like Racine, Wisconsin. This whistleblower, Harris, she very narrowly lost her election for county commissioner back in August. She described to one news agency her years-long knowledge of this ballot harvesting in the black communities in Central Florida. She even recorded a ballot broker coming to her home in 2017 to collect her ballot and obtain the script that that harvester was given by her bosses to make the pitch for a voter to turn over their ballot. So what happens is, in our community, when absentee ballots are mailed, you, the candidate, or any political party can find out when the absentee ballots are mailed and to whom. What happens is these ballot harvesters, they know which batch has gone out. They go to the door, they ask you for your absentee ballot. In communities that don't look like me, she said, which is African-American, No one does this, she said, referring to white neighborhoods. But our community, it's kind of like an accepted practice that the man is coming by to pick up my absentee ballot or the lady is coming by to pick it up. Now, this is in her sworn affidavit. She identifies specific individuals who direct and act as ballot brokers and were paid to collect ballots and provides intricate details on how the system works 
along with emails, receipts, video footage, and other evidence. Ballot brokers typically work up to a year in advance, she said. They visit individuals in their homes and assist individual with filling out a request for a mail-in ballot. After the ballot shows up, the voters instructed to wait for the ballot broker to return to the individual's residence. They're asked not to seal the certificate envelope. In very rare circumstances, she said, if the voter has filled out the ballot and sealed the envelope certificate, the ballot broker will take the ballot, then steam open the sealed envelope. The ballot broker either corrects any votes, if necessary, that were not voted according to their wishes, or they just throw it out. Now, what about nursing homes? Well, according to Harris, for nursing homes, ballot brokers get the list of residents by cross-referencing the address with the voter registration list. The broker figures out how the best way is to make contact, usually through friends and family members that may or may not know they are even part of a scheme. They, quote-unquote, help these residents fill out the mail-in ballot or they just take it from the nursing home and deliver it to the ballot broker. She has worked as an election poll worker in the past. She said her biggest concern in coming forward is that ballots collected by third parties have no chain of custody, which makes it easier to commit fraud, such as destroying a ballot or even altering it. But remember this. There's no election fraud in our elections. There's none everywhere. Oh, there may be a few here and there. But right now across the nation, dozens of instances of this type of fraud are turning up. I mean, it's happening as we speak. And we don't know what's going on. We may never know, but I tell you what, I think the government of um, Florida is finding out exactly what's happening. And we'll probably find out. Will it do anything? Will anybody do anything? Well, it depends on who is in the White House and who the the uh, resident at the White House is appointed to be the FBI director and the Department of Justice. And in the case of Democrats, I don't know of a single Democrat that served and lived in the White House in my lifetime. Not one Democrat that would not take part in something like this if it's put in front of them. And I'm not personally denigrating anybody. I'm just telling you, Democrats have a way, and they have a history of bending the election process and making it work best for them. Hmm. What's that all about, Dan? Well, what it's about is winning elections. And that's the only thing that anything matters for these people. Anybody involved in the election cycle, anybody involved in elections campaigning all the way up to um, taking an oath of office, the only thing they care about is winning that election. We're not through yet. TNN Live is coming back. In two minutes, we've got much more in our last quarter hour. Stay with us. Back after this. 
Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network, at truthnewsnet.org. Enrique Santos for Taco Bell. The toasted cheddar chalupa from Taco Bell is back, and I know what you're thinking, because I'm thinking the same thing. Did they really toast six-month-old aged cheddar right onto a delicious flaky chalupa shell again? Yes, they did. But now it's even tastier. It comes with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink, all in a $5 box. That's right. All that for just a little cheddar. But don't forget, it's back for a limited time. The $5 toasted cheddar chalupa box, only at Taco Bell. When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. Gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners. Is the insanity making your head spin? Okay, let's sit down and figure this out together again. Dan Newman. Again, I want to remind you, if you want to listen to, if you couldn't catch him, Congressman Mike Johnson, he's representing the 4th Congressional District in Louisiana. He was with us on Monday. He talked to us about the election. He also talked to us at nauseum about the big question of what the FBI has begun to do, and maybe they've been doing it longer than we know, but weaponizing their power here in the American government, over citizens. If you want to catch that, you can get it on Monday's show. How do I find it? You can go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcast, and pretty much anywhere you have your podcast stuff that you get shows from, you can go there, and the show name is TNN Live. You can check out the conversation I had with Mike Johnson. You can get the latest coming out of the Oath Keepers trial in Washington, D.C. for their alleged wrongdoing on January 6th. Uh, Every Tuesday, Steve Baker joins us. He's our investigative journalist reporter in whatever the big issues are that he's involved in. Every Tuesday, he comes and tells us about it. But you can catch Tuesday's show by going to And again, go to your favorite podcast source and look at the Tuesday show. And then, of course, yesterday, Dunstan Teo, one of the wealthiest men on the planet, he is one of the inventors of cryptocurrency. And he is probably, he hasn't uh, confirmed it, but he is known to be the biggest owner of bitcoins on the planet. He is one of the co-founders of Philcoin pretty much the latest cryptocurrency, which is unique from every other. And you need to hear that story yesterday. He joined us in the second hour. Grab all those. In fact, every TNN Live show, you can get that way if you miss it live. And of course, if you're listening to me right now, you didn't miss it live. (laughs) Um, Election staring us in the face. More news comes out. Some more bad news. Stacey Abrams. You know who she is. She is a hardcore leftist 
in uh, in Georgia. She ran for governor and Brian Kemp beat her. She never has admitted that he won. She continues to say that election was stolen from her. Well, she's running again. But there's some problems for Miss Abrams. Her voting rights nonprofit paid her campaign chair's law firm. Now, listen to this. Not the chairman of her campaign, but the chair's law firm, $10 million in legal fees. Now, let me tell you, in my company that is 32 years old, we represent hospitals across the nation, and we also represent emergency uh, medical transport entities across the nation. That's helicopters and ground ambulances. And as you probably know, a lot of those people are involved in uh, picking up very, very critical patients and rushing them to the hospital. A lot of those happen in accidents. Most of them do. What does that mean? Litigation. And so I deal with different attorneys that represent our clients, and I've been in many, many negotiations for settlements, and I've been in many, many trials for the same thing. I have never seen a law firm that has charged $10 million to handle one specific thing, but that's what Stacey Abrams has done. And it was for a largely unsuccessful voter suppression case. Politico reported yesterday that the campaign chair, Allegra Lawrence Hardy's law firm, made $9.4 million in 2019 and 2020 from the group Fair Fight Action, which is Stacey Abrams. This report came on the heels of one news agency finding that Fair Fight Action had paid thousands to the group's director's family and friends. After losing the gubernatorial race to uh, Governor Brian Kemp back in 2018, Abrams challenging him again, and it's not looking too good for Stacey Abrams. It's not looking too good at all. I guess you may have heard that a judge has ordered Dr. Anthony Fauci to testify under oath for his involvement in the collusion case. Oh my gosh, everybody was involved in it. Everybody in government, it seems, was involved in it. And I don't think we're going to find anybody that this administration in any way, no matter what happens, if it comes to a trial, I don't see this administration allowing anybody to go to jail, and it doesn't matter how vile and how serious their alleged law-breaking was. Have you heard about the latest at CNN? There's a lot of stuff in the way of change going on there. Their new chief, Chris Light, he has warned staffers at CNN that plans to axe jobs at the network That plan is going to be accelerated within weeks. And he told them to, quote, brace yourselves for unsettling changes. He wrote a letter to these employees yesterday, 
He said in the letter there was widespread concern about the global economy that will impact people, budgets, and projects. His letter came as he adopted the term right-sizing, right-sizing, R-I-G-H-T dash sizing, to describe planned cuts to CNN, which is about 4,500 employees today, and that could leave scores of workers fired and without jobs. Right now, looking around the national news media, there are not a lot of hirings going on. In fact, in this economy, everybody's squelching and they're laying people off. Light took this new job back in May. He's conducted, we're told, a months-long review into the business, which has concluded some departments are bloated. The network's parent company, Warren Warner Brothers Discovery is also laying off 1,000 of its 40,000 workers before the end of the year. CNN staff fear they face the chopping block. He's already led a cull of veteran staff who has earned the network a reputation as being woke. Trump critics Brian Stelter and John Harwood recently departed CNN in a move that left some staff fearing the most vocally anti-Trump talent was being forced out in a bid to return CNN to the neutral image it enjoyed prior to Trump's election. Leiter told staff, there's widespread concern over the global economic outlook. We must factor that risk into our long-term planning. All this together will mean noticeable changes to this organization that by definition is unsettling. I got to be honest with you. There's not a single person on air at CNN that I consider to be reputable or that I consider to be qualified to be doing what they're doing. It's a wrap on the show today. We covered it a lot, and there's a lot more out there. You stay tuned tomorrow. We'll wrap up the week for you, and we'll help you get started on your weekend. Until then, enjoy a little Becca Shea. We haven't heard from her in a while. We'll see you tomorrow, right here at TNN Live. You guys have a great day.